Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome in Season 3, Episode 9 of the Four Feathers Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I've got Tony Marchese and Ron Luce alongside me tonight. Gentlemen, crack them. Been a while. Good to see you. How we doing? Crack them, Johnny. It's good to be back on the mic talking some Blackhawks. Ron, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'll echo what what, uh, what Tony had to say. It feels good to be back with the boys talking some Blackhawks hockey. It's been a hot minute. Um, hopefully we can get into our groove again in the new year, but I'm, uh, I'm excited. We got some, we got a lot of loaded topics to talk about, so I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. Ron, a lot has gone on, uh, in between us last talking, uh, over a month ago now. And, uh, you know, where we are now here in middle of January, um, hot and cold name of this episode, guys, I think it's appropriate. Um, we'll get into kind of the streaks that they had here, but before we do, um, a little housekeeping, make sure you're visiting on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at four feathers pod and at on tap sportsnet. If you're looking to get out the UC, use vivid seats in the code on tap, get $10 off any order over a hundred dollars. That is on vividseats.com. Use the code on tap, all one word for $10 off and order a hundred dollars or more. All right, gentlemen, Blackhawk status check 15, 18 and six, 36 points. We're 7th in the Central, 8 points out of the final playoff spot. I didn't really have to amend this too much from the last time we talked. That just goes to show you how kind of up and down they've been since then. Do the Blackhawks have a chance to make the playoffs? Let's just start off hot here. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question, Johnny. I'm going to go off on a limb here and say probably not. Um, you know, what uh, we just said uh, right before this, the, the chances don't look good. Uh, you know, I, I think at this point in time in the season, man, it's it's really hard to look back at what transpired right when the season started guys, because that was, it was, they dug themselves such a hole that they had to get themselves out of. I don't know if they can do it Iran, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree almost with everything you said, just that, that start to the year, it just is coming and rearing its ugly head. I mean, that one, nine and two start is really, really the difference right now. They've played well under King overall. Um, at least well enough to be in a playoff hunt if they were playing this well under King all season. But that that first, what, 13 games, 12 game stretch is just uh, that alone put them out of playoff contention. So, uh, Tony, I'm right there with you. I don't think they make it. I would love them to make it, obviously, but I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Right, guys, this is a good transition into our next hot and cold here. You talk about the start, and I agree 100%. I mean, you just dug yourselves a hole. It is really hard to climb out uh, of that sort of you know deficit. It would be one thing if, sure, they could have still had a losing record, but maybe if you just pile up a few more points in there, they weren't getting anything in terms of overtime, sending a game there, or you know scratching out a win here or there. What, Colin got a win? few days before he was fired and that was the first win of the season so uh that that hole is insurmountable i don't think so uh entering the day uh that being tuesday january 18th as we're talking here two percent chance at making the playoffs according to moneypuck.com uh so that is down from when i checked it um a while back and this leads into our next topic like i talked about hot and cold title of tonight's episode guys Highlight since we last talked, uh, I guess low light too here, six game losing streak. And that included some teams that you absolutely should have beat like the Arizona Coyotes uh, as part of that. And the Blackhawks even end up holding a players only meeting after that. And I wrote a little bit about that players only meeting. And I had said at the end, okay, yeah, sure. Technically it's not mathematically eliminated, but you're looking at right now where the standings were. 
you're going to need a run like the Blues did uh, in their Stanley Cup year when they rattled off like 11 in a row from January through early February uh, to get back into the, you know, any sort of possible thick of uh, the conversation there. So I don't see that happening. And just speaking to the hot and cold, after that six-game losing streak, they had the players only meeting. Four-game winning streak, that offers a little hope. And they played some damn good hockey uh, during that stretch, guys. And then they turn around and on it goes, this thing of ours, a loss to a team that's 10 points below them in the Kraken on Monday in a game where they just look disinterested. So it's frustrating, the hot and cold to me. I don't know about you guys. I, th- I think it's 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 frustrating is a great way to put it, Johnny. But for me, it's, it's you have no fucking idea what version of the Hawks you're going to get on any given night. That's That's the frustrating part. It's... Some days you've got, you know, Alex to and Patrick Kane just on connecting, making crisp passes. And then other, other games, you're just waiting for something like that to happen. Some sort of offensive spark, something. And I, I told this to Ron the other day. It's, it's, if Patrick Kane shows up, looks interested, plays interested, you get one other guy going with him. This team goes with, with, with Patrick Kane. Almost every single game I'm watching where we've got problems, man, that six game losing streak, just, he, he just wasn't there. He wasn't the prominent figure. It, it, you have to have your superstar playing. We say this over and over. It sounds fucking cliche at this point in time, but with the Hawks right now, that's all they have. That's really all they have to go on. And so I see where we have stretches of hockey like this and you can just tell it's the, it's going to continuously do this over and over again until we fix certain roster holes and bring in more impact players. I mean, it's just, it is like you said, Johnny, it's frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. And I agree with you because uh, you look at this team and like you have Marc-Andre Fleury, who's playing absolutely out of his mind right now. You have, you know, Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinkit who have shown as just the two of them can carry an offensive workload but they are not getting anything from some of these depth guys that they were expecting to get something out of. And I I think that goes to show, you know, like obviously Brandon Hagel is contributing in his ways. Taves is, is starting to pick it up as of late a little more, you know, those, the big guns are contributing, but like the Henrik Borgstrom's of the world, which Johnny, I know you and I both had high hopes for him entering the season, the amount of talent he had, but it's those guys. It's the, you know, the Philip Kurashevs. Philip Kershev was a nice player last season. Sure, it was a shortened year, and sure, it was a weird lineup, but like he was still a nice player. And this year, he's had his moments. That that goal of the game winner uh, in overtime against the Canadians was cool and tough because he went to the net and absolutely got the shit kicked out of him ultimately. But like, it's just it, it is infuriating because like our friend here, you know, our boy Kirk Zappa in the comments saying playoff teams don't lose the teams that are on five game losing streaks and that are ten points behind in in, in the Seattle Kraken. Like no, everybody was double down on something here. I want Go to double ahead. down on something you said here. All these depth guys, you know, your your Borgstroms of the world, your Kershevs of the world, even up to your Dominic Kublik. Like, is there a guy on this team this year who's like become part of the identity of who the Blackhawks are? This team lacks any sort of identity. The 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 21-22 Blackhawks is the Marc Andre Fleury show and Alex DeBrinket, Patrick Kane. And like from there, it's there's a lot of blah. It's we we can find guys who are are good for a little stretch, you know. It's like okay, Calvin DeHaan did something great here, or you know these little things. But it's like not consistent enough in the in the same vein that we watched some of the cup contending teams, where it was just like these are this is an exciting group of guys to watch. I'm having trouble right there 
with that aspect of the game because it doesn't feel like there's any upward growth. Kirby Doc finger pointed directly at him in that statement. Like what is going on within this organization where they're not, that these guys are not taking that next step. Well, well, Tony, let's continue the double down here, right? Like not only are they not taking that next step, but there's also not much impactful talent that's coming up the pipeline. And I know we're going to get to Lucas Reichel here in a minute, so I'll save that, but look beyond him. Like right now down in Rockford, that is not a situation that bodes well for a team that wants to be able to develop talent. Look at look at a team that we here at ONTAP Sportsnet cover in Chicago, the Chicago Wolves. They're the Carolina Hurricanes farm system team. They're deep, and I mean they are deep with talent. Crack them. But, like, you know, that's, that's what you want in your AHL team. You want to be able to pick from them and pull guys up when you need to fill holes and things like that. The Hawks haven't done that. The old regime did not draft well enough to have the kind of the cupboard full, right? Like you have, you might they be traded make- some of the guys that, that right. are those players, right. man. Like th- not everybody's going to get drafted and be Alex to bring it. Not everybody's going to be drafted and turn into the next Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, but they, they don't have enough depth players that they, they drafted developed to be impactful two way guys. Right. That's right. it's a huge, huge hole. Right and that's what we're seeing. And that's, and that's what we're seeing right now because like there's enough, there's enough food and food to, you know, put a dinner out on the table and put a product on the ice at the NHL level, but the cupboard's bare. There's not much guys get hurt and we're seeing some of that. And you know what? Jacob Galvis, I think is a guy worth noting. Like he might be a nice, a nice find. I mean, he played 23, almost 24 minutes in his debut and looked good. I think that's a guy that is, you know, in the future, a nice, you know, three, four, five, six type defenseman. But, you know, they have nice pieces, I think, on the blue line. I think that's honestly a strength of the team this year, which is absolutely hysterical given what it's been the last four years. And I know you guys remember all those terrible moments that we've lived through. But, like, now it's just their forward depth is not there. And like you said, I agree with you, Tony. Kirby Doc, like, third overall pick, so much potential, so much talent. I'm starting to fear that he was rushed. And that scares me because you also got a major injury there too that kept him out and, and time development lost. Right, exactly. And so I'm not willing to throw in the towel completely on a guy like Kirby Doc. He is only what 21 years old. I mean, he's he's only legally now able to to crack him with us here in the U.S. Obviously, in Canada they can already drink at that age. But like, let, let's let's call a spade a spade here. He's got some time. But outside of him and maybe Lucas Reichel, like what do they have to develop right now? And that's going to be the real challenge for this new regime, whether it's it's still, you know, the the guys that are working under the interim tag right now, or if it's people they go out from the outside and get. That is, it, it's starting to rear its ugly head. Six-game losing streak is a perfect example of that, especially because you had a lot of guys on COVID and there's not enough guys to come up and replace them to actually play meaningful minutes and have a meaningful impact. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, trying to sum it up here, man. I'm, it's not looking good and it's not looking good for the foreseeable future, at least in the near future, because the, the cupboard is very bare. Yeah. Ron, I really like that uh, bit that you have the cupboards bare. I agree. And just this highlights it here. Kirk Zappa, our guy, again, chiming in. Brandon Hagel is close to the only young gun they have that I can see a, having a big future in the starting lineup. I agree hundred percent. Let's look back though. He wasn't a draft pick. They acquired him uh, kind of lucky from the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, he mm-hmm. was originally one of theirs. So um, just goes to show you, you know, you're not getting these depth forwards like Ow. Evan Barrett. I, that was, 
was somebody that I was excited for when I was watching him at Penn State. He hasn't risen through the ranks or shown that he is, you know, close to NHL ready uh, playing down in Rockford consistently. Uh, it's nice to see when Mackenzie Entwistle and Philip Kershev, some of those depth guys that you said, uh, they'll chip in, but it's only for small stretches. Um, I definitely think that Mackenzie Entwistle can grow there, but um, I have, you know, questions about Kershev and you know, I hate to just go cliche on the size, but he's a small guy and it's like, you're not going to be able to outrace every single guy. Cause guess what? A team like the Colorado Avalanche, it's in your division everybody's going to be just as fast as you out there. So yeah, you might be able to beat the Columbus blue jackets down the ice, but can you do that against the avalanche or the Minnesota wild or what have you, the Nashville predators, they usually have a group of fast forwards up front or, uh, you know, shifty defensemen that can go back and retrieve the puck. So I agree. Uh, it's kind of a bleak outlook and, uh, it's tough to talk about here. Um, but it's the reality of the Blackhawk situation right now. Yeah. It sure is. And, and it's scary because like you look, you mentioned Nashville. I think that's another perfect example, right? Like, yeah, they might not on paper look like the most talented, especially in terms of forward depth, but like guys like Tanner Janot and guys like Rem Pitlick, who I had the, the, the privilege of covering last season when the Admirals had emerged with the Wolves. Like these guys are making an impact at the NHL level. I think Tanner Janot has like 12 goals this season. That is quality depth scoring that they developed in their minors and brought up to replace guys that they either couldn't afford anymore or just wanted to get rid of. That is something right now that the Hawks are desperately lacking, and that's going to hurt them not only this season, but probably for like the next two years, if we're being brutally honest, unless they can magically find some of these guys that are like the Alex DeBrinkets of the world, maybe not necessarily the same level of talent, but those second round, third round draft picks that maybe come up through the system a little faster than, you know, your fourth and fifth round guys or like a defenseman who takes a couple of years to develop. That's really going to be the big challenge now going forward. And, and we're going to continue to have to suffer here as Blackhawks fans a little bit because any significant injuries or this team goes into a full-blown rebuild and blows it up, it, it's it's going to be – it's going to be like going into in, into the house after a long day at work and the, seeing the cupboards are bare and you realize, nah, I might go to go, might go to bed a little hungry yeah, but, tonight. That's what's you know, going to happen. You know it's bad when you're just like pining to see if Landon Slager could be a guy that changes that. But even then, I have yes. no worries because he's, you know, A, he's probably going to stick around at Notre Dame, let's be real. And then second of all, it's is it going to be another situation? It's like, oh, yeah, Evan Barrett looked good in Big Ten hockey there. But it's like, you know, is, is Landon Slager the next, you know, kind of, high forward draft pick. He was a third rounder, I believe. Uh, I mean, this is, is he going to so be the same thing? Just depressing. waiting in Rockford for, you know, forever and just kind of treading water there. That's what, that's all I foresee for him. It's, yeah. it's, it's so depressing. And I'll ask you guys this back to the, the Brandon Hagel thing, like on a very competitive NHL team. That's got four lines. Where's Hagel for you guys? Like where, middle, where, middle six, middle six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably yeah. between second and third line winger. Yeah. Okay, I think so that's you, very reasonable. You, you've got like three guys right now, and I'm I'm excluding Jonathan Taves from this list. You got like three guys right now who are like your your middle six, maybe top six guys, because you see Patrick Kane skating middle minutes some nights. You see Jonathan Taves skating middle middle six minutes some nights, and it's like they never developed that guy who was going to come in here and be the next Jonathan Taves, the next center who's got you, the next you know up up at the top or upper echelon of this thing to be a, a secondary scorer with Alex to bring it they're, they're 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 not even top heavy right now right 
it's a concern. And, you know, that should have been alleviated somewhat by Kirby Doc. But obviously, we know the situation there. We elaborated on it in our last episode uh, that we did, guys. So um, he's going to he's at least he is cognizant of it. Uh, he's aware of the outside noise surrounding him. So uh, hopefully when he's back from uh, the covid list, you can have a bit of a jump start here that inspires us a little bit more hope here. But um, I know we talked about a bunch of negatives there, and I think we could go all night and do multiple series episodes with this. But let's talk about one bright spot that is there because he did just get his uh, first taste of NHL action uh, over the last week here, and that is Lucas Reichel. Got a pair of games at the NHL level uh, Thursday night against Montreal, Saturday night against Anaheim. Uh, just give me your observations. What did you see? What did you like? What you didn't like from Lucas Reichel, uh, first time in a Hawks jersey? Uh, I think the first thing that jumps out to me, Johnny, is uh, the speed. Uh, he's definitely got a lot of speed, and that's that's nice. That's refreshing, right? That's, I think, something that the Hawks have lacked for a long time as a kid with speed. Uh, obviously, he's still young. He's still small. He's going to build into that body a little more uh, as he gets older and as he continues to play in North America. But, I mean, he's he's showing he's dominating at the AHL level. I mean, I think they, I, they said in his last three games before he was called up, he had eight points. I mean, he's been incredible at the AHL level. He's showing that he can play there and dominate, which is good. Um, and I think that's going to come in time. I, I don't think right now in the state of this team, he needs to come in and have an immediate impact like Tuvo Teravainen did back in the day because when Tuvo came in, the Hawks were competitive. And he had to fill into a slot where like, oh, I need to be able to be on my game right now to help this team win. Reichel could come in and kind of learn on the fly. And who knows, maybe in, you know four or five years down the road from now, assuming they develop properly and hopefully the new regime can help do that, but maybe a Kirby Doc and a Lucas Reichel are your top two centers in four and five years from now if Jonathan Taves moves on or, you know, or if he takes a, a less a lesser role and sticks around as maybe like a third line center as he ages. Like it, 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 I was impressed by his early going. Obviously, he didn't register on the score sheet, but he was getting after pucks. He was getting into the zone. He was out skating guys that are staples at the NHL level. The, the speed is there. The hands will catch up. And once that happens and he maybe puts on a little bit of, of muscle, I'm ex I'm actually excited about this kid and what he could do at the next level. Do I think he's a center long-term? Maybe not, but that's okay. Even if he's an impact winger in your top six, that's that's better than nothing in my opinion. Yeah, Ron, you you pretty much stole the show there. I mean, you evaluate AHL and, and cover the Wolves, and, and you know that level of hockey far more in depth than I do. But I think what impressed me with, with Reichel, at least just off the bat, same thing as Ron, is, is speed. And, you know, that, that's going to be so important for this Blackhawks team going forward if they're going to, you know, maintain that. Because you do have aging Patrick Kane and aging – uh, Jonathan Taves and and some of those guys that you're relying on right now are losing a step. So that's, he, there's going to be a lot riding on this kid. I don't want to see him rushed either at the same point that I want to see him in the NHL right now, just because he would be the next like thing to watch for the Hawks fans. Like he would be that guy that we've talked about just for the last 20 minutes that like we miss. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard, situation to be in but i do think you know maybe let him over ripen a little bit 
if I'm going to give my my take on this. Right. And uh, I'm with you guys in the same boat here. And I understand frustration at, oh, well, the Hawks waited too long to fire Colin and they waited too long to call up Reichel. Fair arguments all around. But at the same time, when we're talking about development and everybody, you know, those same people will go and then trash how Kirby Doc hasn't been able to be an impact contributor consistently at this level. Well, guess what? He was rushed and you just brought him the fuck up as a 19 year old and said, you know, you're thrown into the fire. You got to contribute for us immediately. Well, I think it's good that they're not doing that with Reichel and you can get him the taste here. And this ain't going to be the last time we're going to see him because he can get up to nine games before that contract would slide. Um, so, you know, you, you will see some other stints later down the road. I would imagine uh, where he is up here and playing uh, after overripening a little bit more in Rockford. So it won't be the last time we see him, but that was the first taste. Uh, I was impressed. I got to see him in person uh, on Saturday night. Like you said, Ron didn't uh, impact the score sheet. Uh, but he did record five shots total in his two games. Uh, was a little bit sheltered with those, you know, plenty of offensive zone starts for him, but you're going to do that for a young kid. And uh, it was cool. You know, it, it's a, it's a cool uh, proposition when you come in and you're centering the top line. I guess that also on a, you know, backhanded comment speaks to the lack of top, you know, not even top heavy, Tony, bad. your comment there, but at the same time, it is a cool opportunity for a kid. And let's be honest, we laid out at the beginning of this uh, episode that they ain't going anywhere playoffs wise this year. So um, in that, those terms in that bracket there, I think they're doing the right thing here. Uh, it was cool to see him. So, uh, and it won't be the last time. So let, let's, let's move on from Lucas Reichel here uh, and talk about flower, the team saving grace, Tony, I think you put it perfectly. This is like basically the Mark Andre Fleury show, but damn what a show it is to watch boys. It's a fun show. It's a great show. I mean, like it's one of the things that makes me tune into Blackhawks hockey right now is Mark Andre Fleury. And it, it's, it's honestly a, it's a damn shame that this team isn't just a little better because the the goalie troubles that we went through for a little while there and not even troubles, but just inconsistency learning experience. And I've, I've said on this show how I think that Mark Andre Fleury is going to have a really positive impact on, on Kevin Lykanen's career in net. But for, for this year, we didn't have to worry about goaltending. We didn't have to have those questions in the back of our head every day. It's like, is our goalie going to go out there and give up five fucking goals? And we've got, you know, a, a nice offensive night where we score four and we're still losing a, a hockey game. We didn't have that problem this year. Marc-Andre Fleury came in and I'm just as confident in him as I would be in any other goaltender, if not more confident that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to give you a chance to win a hockey game. And you see this team right now for the lack of depth, for the, the lack of offensive output for some of the struggles we've seen this team look absolutely disinterested. There's Marc-Andre Fleury at the other end, just stopping literally everything. And yes, he still has had a few bad games here and there, but holy shit, man. Like it is a shame that this Blackhawks team was not better built just for the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury is in net for the Chicago Blackhawks right now. And you know, it's at this point, I don't know if we're if we're talking trades with Marc-Andre Fleury or you want to get into this at this very moment, but man, it would be, at least in my opinion, very advantageous for not going anywhere to maybe explore that because he is playing lights out. Yeah, right. His name is in our kind of uh, trade discussion here that will come up uh, after Flower here. But Ron, hit me with some comments on Fleury, what we've seen here uh, since we cannot predict the future. Uh, let's talk about what's already happened. 
Well, just like Tony said, it's it's an honor and a pleasure as a Hawks fan to get to watch a Hall of Fame goaltender every night, night in, night out. And it's it's a lot of fun. And he's a, he's a fun player to watch, too, not just from the skill aspect, but just the personality aspect. Right. And kind of his style of how he plays. He flops around a lot more than most goalies. You know, he'll he'll make the crazy like you know, glove saves or he'll make the crazy sprawl saves or he'll go the old school, like, you know, two pad stack. He doesn't care. He, he just plays cinematic, hockey. Ron. He, makes he does. It cinematic. It's a good word. Cinematic is a good word. And then, you know, and then you get the little fun pieces with him when like, you know, you hear the iron ting and then afterwards he's oh Thank you. Thank you. You know, and he pats it on the pats it on the back. You know, he he's such a fun player to watch. And he's a guy that I was a fan of just as a hockey fan for a long time. So it's, it's one of those things where, like, it's cool at least to be able to say, like, hey, that guy put on a Hawks jersey, even if it is ultimately for two-thirds of a season if it's all said and done, if he is traded. Like, just getting him watch him play night in and night out is so fun. And like you said, Tony, he keeps them in the game night in and night out. Like, he is a big reason that we're even sitting here talking about them being, you know, not the worst team in the NHL potentially because – Every single night he gives them a chance to win. And shit, let's be honest, he stole a point yesterday in Seattle. They should have – I don't even know if they should have gone to overtime or even gotten out of overtime. Like, it, the fact they even get to a shootout. Like, I'm not even mad at him that they when they lost. I literally looked at my my dad and was like, can't even blame that on Mark. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury did his job. Nobody else did, but at least he did. And uh, I, he's he's so fun to watch, man. And it, it really does feel like the the writing's on the wall that he's going to get moved. Because let's be honest, we've seen it in years past. I think back as far as, you know, 2004 Lightning with Nikolai Habibullin and 06 Hurricanes with Cam Ward and, you know, so many more of these teams that have gone to the Stanley Cup and, and won it. A goalie can win you playoff series if you have a good one. And Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be in hot demand if he's truly made available when the trade deadline comes. Right. Yeah. All good points there, Rana. Speaking on a few points that you had said there, um, it, it's cool that he's racking up some milestones. Obviously, he got the 500th win uh, back in early December at Montreal. That was obviously a cool setting, uh, kind of being back uh, near where he grew up uh, up there. And then also the 70th shutout. That's pretty cool. Uh, I got to see that in person. So that was uh, an excellent night. They played an excellent game all around then, too. Um, highly entertaining, but uh, always cool to see Flurry there. And he's on, he's shouldering the workload right now, boys. Uh, seven consecutive games he started here. Uh, with Lankanen, you know, obviously being out in COVID protocol before that, and then uh, still kind of working his way back in here. So uh, he is keeping this team in games, uh, both, you know, just by virtue of being available to play uh, in that, and then also what he does uh, with all the acrobatics, uh, the ridiculous saves uh, on ice. So um, always fun to watch Marc-Andre Fleury in a Blackhawks jersey. So we will continue to cherish these um, for as long as we have them here. Transitions into our trade topics here. Um, you know, trade rumors, trade possibilities here. Will the Blackhawks trade Flurry? I think you guys both said yes here. One counterpoint that I'd say to that is, does he want to move his family again? Um, I know he'd be a rental, so maybe it'd just be him going out and whatever. But, uh, you know, that was a decision that he had to make when he came here to Chicago. So that's one hang up that I can at least, you know, kind of play a little devil's advocate there for. But in the grand scheme of things, it would be in the Blackhawks' benefit to trade him. Uh, they're not going anywhere, and if he wants to chase another cup, uh, not that he really needs to, though. I mean, come on, he's already got three. He's already got Vesna Trophy. He's already first belt All-Famer. Like, it's kind of already all there, but at the same time, still a competitive guy. Uh, would not put it past him to want to go and win. So uh, thoughts on possibilities here. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on landing possibilities, what the Blackhawks get in return, anything here on Mark andre Fleury in a potential trade. 
I think you just have to explore it. And Johnny, you bring up a good point. Does he want to move his family? Is he is he chasing another cup? I mean, if this was uh, a goaltender with you know his abilities and talents that maybe hasn't won, you'd probably see a lot more activity uh, at this point uh, around a Mark Andre Fleury. But you make some some excellent points with the fact that he is already. Uh, decorated in hardware. So um, I, I think, you know, they're, they're probably right now having discussions with him, his agent, you know, his family and uh, him are probably having the same discussions that we're just talking about right here. What's, you know, what's going to be in the best interest of him and what's going to be in the best interest of the Hawks. Uh, somebody's going to have to make that decision. I think in my opinion, the shame that it, it this is at this juncture for the Blackhawks is you still have a bunch of guys in this front office and coaching staff with interim tags. And this is a, a really big decision for this team. Do you move him? Do you like, there's so much at play here um, and not even him. You can go down the list. I see some other names on the rundown we'll talk about here, but these are the first trade chips to like get us out of this next situation. And I don't want to be sitting here in a year talking about how, well, you know, Kyle Davidson made the trade. It, it brought in X player. And then all of a sudden this offseason, we've got a new GM who's trying to go build something in a totally different direction. This Hawks team needs to get on the same page with whatever it is that they're doing sooner rather than later. And obviously the season's lost, but the, the, the way that this franchise can go is right now in the hands of a bunch of people with interim tags. And that doesn't leave me sitting any happier about this situation right now at this point with the trade deadline looming. That's it's a huge concern for me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. What you said, Tony, because you know, there's a very good chance that some of these guys that would be making these decisions aren't here next year to, to operate this team. Uh, maybe not even here through the rest of the season, depending on how aggressive the Blackhawks get in their general manager or, you know, president of hockey operations searches, but you know, I, I think at the same time, some of these guys are trying to, you know, be that next GM. I think of a guy like Kyle Davidson, who is very much probably wants to be the GM, right? He wants to keep that title and, and remove that interim tag. And, you know, so you would have to think that he's going to go into the deadline and try and get the best moves made because if he can show, hey, I look what I did. Look what I pulled off at the trade deadline. You should keep me. You know, that that's that's certainly something that will go kind of in his resume for that interview when when the time comes to be, you know, GM and, you know, whether they keep him as GM and they bring somebody in above him as a president of hockey operations remains to be seen. Obviously, with Bowman, when he was elevated, they didn't bring anybody in underneath him. You know, I mean, I guess the question, though, Ron, is, is does Davidson have the the sign off from the Wurtzes to make moves like Mark andre Fleury right here without somebody else being involved. There's got to be some advisement on this if this deal does happen because I just it's it's too important for this franchise and the direction, man. Like you've got yeah it, I hope that there is some I, plan in place here. Yeah, uh, just speaking on that, Tony, obviously we can't predict the future and what will be uh, the kind of scenario in the front office then would be great to be a fly on the wall, but he did uh, have the full go-ahead for the uh, coaching changes earlier in the season. So um, I know that was all kind of a whirlwind of, you know, clearing house 
because of obviously the team's play on the ice and then uh, the uh, sexual assault um, findings uh, of that investigation. So there was a lot of at play there, but he did have to go ahead on that if there's any basis there, uh, any track record to go off of. So we'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's talk about some other names here down this list, popular ones. Dylan Strom, uh, obviously out in COVID protocol right now, but um, I mean, expiring contract, it's been rumored for, I think, you know, multiple years at this point. Is he going to get moved uh, with him not playing in certain spots? Uh, what do we think? Any thoughts still in Strom? Think he goes somewhere? Thinks anyone has a need for him? Wants him? That's I think that's the, the couple million dollar question there, Johnny, is who wants Dylan Strom? I mean, like we could play a game show for this one because it, it's it's a potential like matchmaking solution here. I can't find anybody that fits the profile of I need Dylan Strom to take the next step uh, on my roster towards winning a Stanley Cup. I just don't. There's there's not a lot there with Dylan Strom that you can get based off of what he's done. And that's why he's shown up in some of these trade rumors. So I feel like at this point you're dealing from what do I have to do to make Dylan Strom go away? And yet he's not really that impactful on the books right now for the Hawks. I think at this current moment where it forces him out, I can see Dylan Strom sticking around just for those reasons. That's my opinion in my opinion only, but I, I just don't see there being anything. You, I don't see you getting anything of value back for him uh, right at this moment. So no, I, I don't think that he's a name that goes. Yeah. I mean, the key with Dylan Strome here, right. Is you're, you're, you're probably not getting much from just like Tony said, you're probably getting a bag of pucks at best. Uh, maybe you're lucky and you get maybe a fifth or a sixth round draft pick out of him, And that's about the extent of it. Um, you know, he does still carry a sizable enough, uh, you know, cap hit. Obviously, that's going to be prorated because of when teams acquire him in the certain, you know, part of the season. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, if the Blackhawks don't get a price for him that they really want, they can just hang on to him and let him walk at the end of the season. Obviously, if you can get something for him, that's a better case than nothing. But kind of like Tony said, who really needs Dylan Strom right now? If he can't crack this egregious Blackhawks lineup in a top six role, who's going to bring him in even as a depth player on a contending team? Um, so I agree with Tony. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't even get moved because if if, if they can't get something that's worth it, the value, they're, they're probably not going to move him. Right. I guess my only external factor here, if I'm playing devil's advocate here as I am all night, um, the injuries situation with other teams, if they have one between now, uh, it's a little over two months until the trade deadline on March 21st. So see an injury to uh, someone there and they feel like they can uh, bring in someone for uh, just depth scoring there, possibly, even though he only has 10 points, 26 games. But, uh, you know, someone could look back on the past seasons, like when he first came over uh, to the Blackhawks and had himself a little nice stretch there. So that's about the only way I can see any team really, really seeking him out uh, too aggressively. Um, moving on, uh, kind of a guy in a similar situation. We'll go Borgstrom first up front still. Um, this is one that Frank Spaghetti and Meatballs, Frank Cervelli, <laughs> Daily Face Off has mentioned multiple times, uh, but he does have one year remaining after this. It's only at $1 million, so uh, the contract is not too, too much for any other team uh, to possibly take on. That would be more of a change of scenery thing than anything else. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're right there, Johnny. Change of scenery uh, for him might do something. But, uh, again, like I, I don't know if you're going to get exactly all too much that's going to be a return where a Blackhawks fan is going to sit there and say, this is a great deal that we just made to help the Blackhawks next year or even two years down the road from now. You're looking at probably something very minor in return. Um, I, I just I, I don't know. But I can see him being an easier move. Uh, for somebody who's looking uh, 
to add than Dylan Strom there. So I'd say, you know, probably more of like a 75% chance you see Borkstrom move and a Strom is more like a 30. Yeah, Borkstrom is definitely, like, I think it's a team's going to be more appealing because he's just as young. Uh, he's he's controlled. Obviously, Johnny, you mentioned the next year of eligibility at a very reasonable number. A million bucks is not really that bad in the NHL in today's game. Um, so there might be a team that sees him and says, hey, you know what? We we can find a role for him. It might not be, you know, as a top six centerman, but maybe it is as a third line winger. Where you, you know, get a, a fourth round, bucks, fifth round draft pick? You could probably get maybe a fourth rounder if the price is right. I mean, it really just, again, like Johnny said, it depends on situation. It depends on injuries. It depends on so many factors. Because, like, going back to, like, a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, realistically, he fetches a first-round draft pick. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. He gets you a first-round draft pick. Because if a if a contending team really feels like they're a goaltender away, they'll pay whatever the hell that they want in order to go chase a cup. You know, they probably could get a prospect and a first if they really wanted to get crazy. Like, for a guy like Fleury. Now, for a guy like Borstrom, who is obviously way further down that list, I think a fourth round pick is very reasonable. And let's be honest, the Blackhawks have had some success with fourth round picks in, in you know, the, the last handful of years. And quite frankly, if it's a new regime drafting, I probably have a lot more faith in them than I ever did in Stan Bowman. So, you know, maybe a fourth round pick does yield something. You know, I think Jacob Galvis was like a fifth or a sixth. See, here's, I'm going to disagree with you for a second, Ron. I don't have any faith in whoever's drafting next because they need to prove it to me first. Like you have to have some results. So I'm going to be nervous about this no matter what. Although getting that first round draft pick for Mark Andre Fleury, yes, it's something back. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw caution into the wind here and say like this is another thing that we need to be very worried about in terms of strategy going back here is if you're basing some of this on unknown assets that we're giving up for Mark Andre Fleury, like that's the discussion that needs to be had by that general manager and his staff and the plan and the design of okay. We're trading Mark Andre Fleury for an, an additional first round draft pick. So I want to I want to start looking at that board 25 through the back end of the list of first round draft picks and start heavily scouting these areas so that we do get that impactful player because they need something now if you're gonna do anything before you get before Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are gone. And I think that that's kind of the problem that they're they're gonna want to solve for unless they scrap this whole entire thing and move on from there. So like even trading these guys for draft picks, it's just, I mean, it's luck of the draw. I mean, we're, we're talking about Kirby doc a few moments ago, if Mark Andre Fleury turns into Kirby doc right now in this situation. It's a kind of a miss on, on, an, on a really, really big opportunity for this franchise to make a move. That's going to have some impact back, but it's better than him just sticking around and saving you, bucks for us uh, for the last correct. half of the right. season. I was going to so say, that's, cause he's, that's he's just, honestly, it's a terrible thing to like, have to like, yeah. you know, like come to a realization at the end of the day about, but at the end of the day, having the fourth round draft pick, whether they fuck it up or not is better than but so like you it, know, it, just, Johnny, I'll, I'll, I'll say that like is, and, and I hate to go here with you guys. I absolutely hate to go here with you guys. Is is Patrick Kane skating around on the ice, keeping you in 50% of the games right now because he's going to score a point doing anything for the Chicago Blackhawks unless you're going to build around him? No. That's a very easy answer. No. And that's why – and that's honestly right now like the biggest thing that this Blackhawks team truly needs going forward for whatever the new regime is is draft capital because – Let's be honest, every great team is built through the draft. The the Blackhawks that we enjoyed and loved for, you know, the the golden years of Blackhawks hockey were all built primarily through the draft. Brent Seabrook and was a draft. Marion Hosa. 
Well, sure, of course, you need the key free agents, but you know, Brent Seabrook. That's like cherry on the top. Yeah, you know exactly. But that's the thing is like right now we're in that space where there is no cherry on top, and there is no. There's not even a fucking Sunday at this point. Yeah, the cone is the cone has completely crumbled. (laughs) (laughs) It's that little base piece that melted in your fucking hands. The Uh, ice cream is on the floor. That's where we're at right now. Pretty accurate. Yes. And yeah, I mean that, but that just kind of quickly going back to your point, like that, that is something that that is fair to be fearful, but if this team's going to build anything for the future, they need draft capital because Stan Bowman was way too loosey goosey with trading draft capital. They're already without a first round pick next year because of the Seth Jones trade. All the more reason that a first round draft pick coming back in a Mark Andre Fleury trade would be beneficial. You know, really the only thing that saves, I think the Blackhawks right now is that might be a lottery protected first with the Columbus trade. I'm not entirely sure. But if that if were the case, their, if they if they win and they get the first two picks, right? Exactly. Like, you know they're getting the third pick. You no, know they're, they're just going to get like number seven. It's not even going to matter. It's going to be like the freaking Bulls. It's going to be like number seven, For and like nobody's going to care. But like that's that shows right. Like that that even shows more now the importance of them needing. They need to be able to draft to restock the cupboard. And right now. As much as we enjoy watching guys like Mark Andre Fleury, and I'll save this argument for the offseason, but as much as we enjoy guys like Patrick Kane, like when when do you start wondering if you know the the cash that you have instead of keeping it in the in the uh, in the piggy bank, you, you you decide to break that thing open and spend it and well, kind of restock the cupboard. Your your problem here is if you go out right now and you trade, you can't, I, I would say you cannot move Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves at this trade deadline because you need to figure out again, the whole strategy. We're building this thing back. You need to figure out, are you trying to capitalize on this while you have Seth Jones locked the fuck down forever? And you need to capitalize on the front end of that, that deal for your defender. And you have, a top, you've got two top NHL scorers in Alex DeBrinket and Patrick Kane. And what do you do? Like, what do you need right now? There's a whole laundry list because you need everything else. You're getting rid of Marc Andre Fleury at this deadline. I think we all probably know that. So you need a goalie. You need defensive depth, and you need to fill out nine plus spots. It feels like on that offensive roster outside of like the two, three guys you have just to have a little bit of depth. You need a lot right now. That's a very tough position to be in. And if you get rid of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves at this point, before you know what your front office plan is, you're risking this team going into the complete dark ages. Sure. And I, and I'm not saying they're going to trade Kane and Taves now I'm saying like the, to the Kane and Taves, like even trade idea probably isn't a thing until next season's off season. Like it's when they're going into the last years of their contracts, then maybe then that's, but then at least you right. You already have a new regime in place and they can come up with that plan. But I'm just saying in general of the fact of like you said, they need to restock the cupboard one way or another. It doesn't matter if Kyle Davidson's the GM. Ron, we've got supply regime. chain issues. He, they're not restocking the cupboard anytime soon. But the, right. But in order to restock the cupboard, you need draft picks. So it's it's kind yeah, of that double edged sword. Guys, let's talk about that's a little more overall kind of thing that we can discuss for. Let's talk one last name on this list that could. But we're talking about these draft picks that we need. Kelvin Nahan, interesting name here because expiring contract. Uh, sure, it is a pretty hefty, you know, four and a half hit. Uh, 
still the team looking for a defenseman that is pretty serviceable, reliable in his back end, blocks a lot of shots, uh, plays defensive minded hockey. Um, this is a guy that I think could at least fetch you a little bit higher than the kind of depth forwards that we were talking about there of the Stroms and the Borgstroms of the world. Thoughts on Calvin DeHaan? Yeah, I'll keep it quick. Obviously, we're we're big fans of uh, Calvin Dahan here at Four Feathers, and I would I would be very sad to see him go. But yeah, I agree. I think he he does fetch you probably like a third round pick or maybe a decent prospect. Um, you know, depending on the team, teams that are going to the playoffs always want blue line depth. So I absolutely think he's going to be a name that teams are going to want. I, I actually would say that outside of the aforementioned Mark Andre Fleury, he will be the most appealing name on this Blackhawks roster. Probably made available come March twenty first. Yeah, I think Calvin DeHaan's probably another guy that's going to go. Um, man, that I have problems with like half half-assed rebuilds and like just selling off spare parts, and that's why I brought up the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves type thing. But Calvin DeHaan, it's it's going to hurt to see him go. He is he is a four feathers podcast, uh, just absolute legend. Uh, it's a shame we haven't had the opportunity to get him on the show, but Calvin DeHaan has been an awesome friend to the show. Johnny, I know you got to go out there and experience times with him. We've all got the Calvin DeHaan shirts. This is the Calvin DeHaan fan club because he's just, I mean, Calvin DeHaan's just a good dude, number one. And number two, he plays a cool and tough fucking game of hockey. Like, I think that that's what I appreciate the most about Calvin DeHaan's game is he's He's a warrior out there. He's a guy that just knows his role, accepts his role. And I think that he can be a guy that, you know, would have been an absolute household name for Chicago Blackhawks fans for a long time. If this team was just built a little bit better because he had that grit, he had that, that mentality that just would have been so marketable in Chicago. If this, if he was on it when this team was winners and it's, it's, so sad to see it end this way getting traded off and whatever this retool thing is or whatever they're going to try and market spin this thing as because i love calvin DeHaan's game that sucks yes it does tony i agree attachments here it, it absolutely you know i've got to spend time with him as you mentioned that uh, is beer release he's done a lot of cool things uh charity wise uh in the community stuff like that and on the ice he said hell the other night he uh took a block shot with his hand had a x-ray uh at intermission came back out and played his usual you know cool and tough minutes uh in the third period so uh it's going to be sad to see him go but when you just look at the situation i mean hey you brought in seth jones you talked about the albatross contract that's in there you signed jake mckay to a four-year deal you signed Connor Murphy to a four-year extension you've got some of the you know if you're talking about yeah we said the cupboards bare but if there's any like little like peppers and uh you know seasonings that are left there it's like the Jacob Galvises and the you know the, the those kind of like defensemen that oh they come up and they show a little bit of like you know flair here so um you, you've got the kind of next in line to get their chance there that's like behind Calvin it's yeah. metaphorically like when you order taco bell and they forget to put mild sauce in there and you've got like three leftover mild sauces in the cupboard yeah yeah exactly or you got like some frank's red hot that'll do for that like particular like you know cheesy gordita crunch that you got yeah so um yeah, yeah I, I agree 100 that Calvin it will be a shame to see him go but uh very movable in terms of 
other teams wanting him uh, and the contract and what else is at play here uh, left for the Blackhawks. So um, let's move on. That kind of does our possible trade, um, you know, candidates here. It's still two months until the deadline. That is Monday, March 21st. So uh, we'll have plenty more discussion uh, before that point. I'm sure these guys will play many more games in Blackhawks jerseys before anything serious even really ramps up here. So um, let's move on to a hotly contested topic here, guys. This is kind of something that um, I think we have some differing opinions on, and uh, it's the Blackhawks TV broadcast so far this year. Um, obviously kind of a rotation sort of setup that they've had multiple guys coming in and out in both the play-by-play and color roles here. Um, and ladies too, don't want to uh, exclude Kaylee Chelios from that. Cause she has been on there as well. Uh, Kendall coin did some last year um, or excuse me, the year before that, um, you know, it's an interesting situation. Not a lot of people are too happy with it. It's reasonable to see why. I think we've got some takes from both sides of the aisle here. So let's air it out. And, uh, you know, whoever wants to start here, I think you guys are going to be at each other's necks a little bit. So uh, I'll give the floor to Ron. And you guys go ahead. I'll just give the floor to Ron right away because, you know, you got to lay down the base. I'll just sit back and listen. I don't understand the hate. Okay. So here's, here's the problem. I will always say this about Chicago sports fans, and I am just as guilty as this. We are spoiled by the broadcasting crews that we have in the city of Chicago. The Chicago Bears are incredibly spoiled with Joniak and Thayer on the radio. The Cubs guys are spoiled with having Boog and Pat Hughes and you know Jim DeSays. The White Sox guys are spoiled with Benetti and Casper and, and Stone. The, the Bulls guys are spoiled with Adam Amin and, and Stacey King. And forever we've been spoiled with Edzo and Pat Foley. We are spoiled. We As a Chicago city, we are spoiled with broadcasters. But I will tell you, I am a big – I love Chris Foster's first off for a play-by-play. I'm a huge Chris Foster's guy. He's a Chicago guy. He even said he grew up as a Hawks fan. Like, that's cool and tough, and that's the shit that I like. And if, if he's a guy that is potentially in the running to replace Pat long-term, he's a guy I would love to see in that role. I think he does a great job, and I think he brings a lot of personality in the play-by-play role. And Colby Cullen's growing on me. And I think he's, he's, he's still young. He's still learning, you know, and and Tony, I know we had this discussion off air earlier in the day and you saying, Oh, you want guys that, you know, are old timers and they have all these stories. Well, Colby Cohen played. He's he was an NHL player. I mean, I'm this. sure he's got plenty of stories. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to trash your take. I already feel where it's going, but like, I, I think, Right now, sure, it's weird. It's it's different for Hawks fans. We're we don't like change. Let's be completely honest. None of us are creatures that enjoy change. And the fact that Pat Foley, who let's be honest, for the golden years of hockey in Chicago, and well before that, besides that little blip in the radar where he went and called for the Wolves, it's been Pat Foley. Like that's the voice that people associate with TV and Pat Foley with the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, Eddie Olchek has become the same way. So people are resistant to that change. I I like uh, the idea of a Chris Rosters and Eddie Olchek booth next season with Colby Cohen. It being the, I think he's better than Steve Conroy. I'll be brutally honest with you right now. I think he's a better fill in than Steve Conroy was because he at least brings personality. I think him and, you know, and, and Chris Foster's joking around with, with each other between, you know, whistles and stuff. It's fun. It's exciting. It's different. They need to bring personality to hockey. Pat Foley and Eddie do that in their own in their own way. Chris and, and Colby also do that in their own way. So I have actually enjoyed them. Some of the other guys, I'll admit, I haven't been as big of a fan of. I haven't been able to catch everybody. They're probably the tandem outside of Pat and Eddie that I've heard the most. Um, 
but I, I like them the most out of, of everybody I've heard so far. And again, it's cool, especially for Chris Foster's like your hometown guy and you get to call for the Blackhawks. Like that's like one of the three of us getting the play by play gig with the Blackhawks or with the White Sox for you two or for like me with the Cubs. Like, all right, this is, this is, insane. this is where I've got to interject. This is, this Please is where do. I've got to interject I'm ready. So it's it's great that he's the hometown kid, right? And I'll say this. Number one, Northside Ron is shining through here 110% because there's one thing. Yes, Chicago sports fans are spoiled from announcers from, from that perspective. And I'll give you that right off the base. And I'm going to say that this is a huge marketing miss for the Chicago Blackhawks, that they're trying this, this little experiment out because – you were a premier franchise in the last fucking decade. Top of top of the class in Chicago when you were a Stanley Cup champion just a couple of years ago. And you still have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves on the ice. You've got all this opportunity right here to, to, to keep this mainstay there. And now you, you're talking about guys who are coming up and learning how to broadcast on-air games and, and utilizing them to continue with your fan base who tunes in, who's been spoiled with Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek for so many years, you're eliminating your core fan base by basically ripping out systematically everything that they've loved about the Chicago Blackhawks and just had the pinnacle of success in their franchise history one by one in the most painful fucking way you possibly can. One, like, here comes a scandal that everybody's going to have to sit through. Ow, that hurts. Now we're going to dismantle one by one the entire team down to just basically the studs of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. That hurts. Now Eddie Olchek and, and Pat Foley are gone, and you get Colby. It feels like a fucking watered-down version of the Chicago Blackhawks to me. And the reason why, I'm not mad at Colby. Colby's not a bad person. Neither is any of the other people that they've tried out on here, but you're telling me by doing this, that you can't do better for the Chicago Blackhawks fan. You can't find somebody that, that speaks more to the Chicago Blackhawks fan with like the Chicago roots and is going to do that homerism the same way that Pat Foley had the, the, you know, just the impressions in his voice when the Hawks scored a goal, he was genuinely like excited. I hate that fake announcer stuff, man. Like, the, the fake inflection in your voice for a goal call. One thing that I will give Jason Benetti some credit on because it was an incredibly hard transition for me as a sports fan from Hawk Harrelson, who just encompassed, in my opinion, the great, yeah, puke all Awful. over it all you want to. Awful. But like broadcasting. The exact, the exact uh, kind of reaction that you'd want from a Cubs fan, though, as a White Sox yes, broadcaster is what exactly. you're driving at there. Exactly. Keep it as vanilla as you want to. I want my announcer to be absolutely like pissed off as I am at whatever call the ref made. That's how I enjoy my sports because I want to see somebody who's passionate and cares about the team the same way that Pat Foley does, the same way that Hawk Harrelson does. Yes, we're spoiled. Why are we spoiled? Because those guys were so passionate about it. If we've got guys out there like Colby Cohen, like that's great. He played a little bit in the league. He's got some stories and everything. But like I want somebody – who is going to take the Blackhawks fan base that they still have right now and continue to grow it. And I think there are plenty of better options than bringing in guys who are trying to come up in this new broadcasting world where everything is just 
straight, like monotone. Let's cut to this graphic. We're going to talk about Fortnite for five minutes, and then we're going to get back on this. I mean, Kobe Cohen on air live while this is going on in the, uh, the hit that Mike Hardman made that there was a terrible call from the broadcast crew the other day, or, or a terrible view. You couldn't even see Hardman hit him. It was off screen. The whole fight happened before the camera crew made it over there. And like the first thing out of Kobe Cohen's mouth when we come to replay is like great work from our camera crew. Well, because the camera crew goes beyond one camera, Tony. Correct. And they but caught you... it behind the plate. Sure. Okay. Hold on. No pause. So, so Tony's so... hang up is with the director there. My hang up <laughs> yeah, is with the director. My hang up is with the director. <laughs> hang up is with the director there. My hang up is with the director there. Sorry, that's not a shot at Colby, but for all intents and purposes, like I want that guy in the booth to care as much about the team as I do, have the history there, and be somebody who's going to. And that's and everybody. that's and that's fair, Tony. I'm going to cut you off because otherwise you're just going to keep going. You have to understand. So I will I admit need to this. Drink beer we are, anyway. I need to call We are now. atrocious. We are atrocious as Blackhawk as, as Chicago fans. I will blame every Chicago fan for this because we are that way. No Chicago fan can let go of success and move on to the future. Because you never know when it's going to come back again. Sure. <laughs> no, I understand that. I Flags totally fly understand forever, that. man. That's fine, and I understand that. But at the same time, we can appreciate different people for what they are. Here's also the problem with what they're doing. And I will agree with you, Tony. I don't like the plethora of people. I wouldn't be mad if they had like one or two, maybe three backups in total for both radio and um, for TV. I love the fact that um, I'm going to butcher his last name, Joey Z. I'm just going to keep it short, but the Rockford guy getting some looks on the radio when they want to give, when they want to give the usual radio crew a break. I love that. That's awesome. He's in your where, system already. Where is like, Dave Boland? Give me Dave Boland. Dave Boland's chilling in Toronto, man. He doesn't yeah, want no, to. Give him he's a drinking Coors Lights in like, Toronto. We've talked to him before. Yeah, like, <laughs> give, him but, a, so give him a contract. Here's, I want here's that the that's, But that's fine. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with when you do that. It is so hard for these guys to get into a rhythm to become that homer right now. So you've got to be, you've gotta be a the, shit NHL player and then completely – I'm going to mute Tony. So – the problem is, is you have to, in order to get into that homerism, oh my God. you need to be able to actually become a homer. None of these guys are able to settle into that. Give me buzz on the year. fucking Blackhawks call then. I don't care. Give me somebody. That's, and that's cares. fine. And they can get there. That's the thing. And none of these guys are that new. A lot of these people have been around. You've just never heard them because they broadcast nationally or in different markets. Yeah. And, and I like hate that. national broadcasts. So guess what? I don't want to hear them. And that's fair. But I don't want the national the more, broadcast feel in Chicago. It doesn't work. It's it's the more the more they get the opportunity to call games in Chicago, I think you'll see that homerism come out. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's really not. And and let's be honest, we're also sitting here and this is like this is like having the argument for, you know, if you're a White Sox fan, like you said, how long it took Jason Benetti to win you over because Hawk Harrelson's such a legend on the south side. Sorry. Well, guess what? Jason Jason Benetti did it. Jason Benetti did it very well, very quickly. And that's he started, but he also got a full time look at it and got a whole yeah, season in order to do it. These okay, guys, so the Blackhawks have to do that yeah. then. 
the, in yes. order to and establish I, I this is what you're going to get night in, night out. We are in agreement on that. We're, we're getting to a good point here, guys, because I, I like the back and forth that we've had here. And uh, Everyone's opinion here is, is totally valid. You're, everyone's entitled to it. But I want to just point out a few things from the setup itself, like Ron had said about, you know, to your point there, about having the groove to be able to do it. There's just so much volatility in it that you cannot find a possible space for these guys to have a stretch of these games where they really get into a groove here. So, yes, this is on the Blackhawks for the setup of it. And this, I, they should have taken some notes from the White Sox, and they did it. It was, uh, Tony, I was upset as you to see Hawk Carrollson go. Soundtrack to childhood summers, man. Like, don't get me wrong. But the way that they did it, they had a plan in the set in stone that, okay, Benetti's going to get these games, then Hawks getting these games for this. And they stuck to that thing all the way through that 2017 season. They were right on the dates that they said Hawk was going to be on. He was there right with stone felt like your normal broadcast. The days they said Benetti was going to be on. That's when you knew you're going to have your adjustment periods here. Um, so the Blackhawks, after up in that department, yeah, let's just so be I frank with that. Period. I call and it then, Colby Cullen but, roulette. Yeah. And, and then pop on my TV right, and right, right. where is he going to be today? Is he going to be in the fucking studio? Is right. he going to be at, at the, at the ring? Appreciate is yeah. he going to be, <laughs> where's Colby Cohen today? Like, yeah, he should it, be like, Putting it out from the four feathers account. Can we? Where do you can think we, he's going to be? Today? Can we? Can we edit? Can we edit a, a red and white sweater yeah, and that, cap onto him and play Where's Waldo with Where's Kobe? Yeah, Cullen? The, the Kobe Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guys, I, I want to. Now that we brought up this name here, I think that's hilarious, Tony. That uh, you bring that up, but true that that is just speaks to the inconsistency that I just talked about of you know the moving parts here, both uh, on the radio and on TV. Obviously, a little bit more noticeable on TV because uh, radio is kind of at least for me. Uh, it's when I'm on the go or maybe like an ESPN plus broadcast. It's about the only time I'm really kind of syncing my TV up with the radio to get that there. Um, so I, I can't speak as much to the John Wyden. I have heard some other guys. I think Nick Olchek's been okay on there. Uh, Kaylee Chelios, when she's been on there, she has been okay uh, on the radio uh, color calls. But I always love myself some John Wyden on play by play. So I'll never back down from that. But let's go TV guys here on some specific things. There are some names that we brought up here. I just want to talk about just things, positive, negatives that I I've noticed from each, uh, if you guys don't mind here. And I'll start with the list here. Chris Foster's, Ron, as I said yesterday, this guy calling the action on the ice as is, I have no problem. He's knowledgeable, knows what he's talking about. He's good transitions. No problem there. I think the infliction in voice is fine. It would take some time to develop that homerism, though, that Tony is talking about, even though he is Chicago kid, grew up rooting for the Blackhawks, yada, yada, so on and so forth. Okay, next one, Mike Monaco. I enjoyed him when he filled in on some White Sox broadcasts. So bringing him over to the Blackhawks, same deal. I think that he does a good job of calling the regular just play-by-play on the ice as it goes. Same kind of deal as Vosters. I have the same praise that I do for him there. I don't think the inflection is as much, though, um, because I think he kind of, from his kind of jump around before, he's tried to keep it more even keel so he can cover multiple things. So that's just a, you know, my thoughts on uh, Mike Monaco when they've had him. Jason Ross Jr. only did one uh, game, the game against Vegas on the Saturday night. A little bit more disorganized in terms of the consistency of what he was calling in the play-by-play, but he had more of the highlights. One time he said, absolute anarchy in front of the net. And it was a great infliction in his voice. Exactly what you're talking about. So I see little like bits there. And I'm like, damn, like this guy like really figures out like the, you know, uh, you know, getting all the names right. And I know it's tough when you're just thrown into ones. I'm not, I'm not blasting him for that, but the other guys have shown a little bit more propensity to be a little bit more well-structured on the play-by-play call, but he had the best infliction in the best moment. And I legitimately, I laughed out loud to myself as I was watching that by myself. 
So it was good. It, it, that, that one, I did enjoy that, even though it was just the one game. As for Colby Cohen, I think there are some valuable observations that he can bring from his time playing. Um, I personally, this is a personal thing, a personal opinion. I think his voice is just a little bit awkward, literally just the sound of it, the pitch of it. It is a little bit awkward to me. I don't know about you. You want him to change his voice? It feels a bit forced at times. And I know we can't change that. I'm just playing it out as as I I, I, I actually feel the same way you do. If you guys agree, that's I just since you guys got yours in there, I I want to give my value. Can I can I just really quick, Tony? I'll make it short because I know Tony's got a good point coming here. Um that we want to be able to 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 hear. But uh as somebody that's fair, but that's why I want to just quickly. Um but like, so just admittedly, I've done both color and play-by-play for where I went to school at St. Xavier University. In my personal opinion, to me, color is harder than play-by-play. And the reason I say that is because you really have to pick your spots and when you interject. And you have to be able to be quick. You have to get with the tempo of the play. You have to be able to kind of – you have to conform to the play-by-play guy, where the play-by-play guy is the star of the show. Like, they they run everything. It, it ultimately goes through their voice. You are just the side that gets to you. You add that that value. That's how I see it. I always say it as, like, the play-by-play guy is the narrator of the story. You're the storyteller. You're telling what's happening in, in the book or in the game or in the movie or whatever. And then the color, you know, the color commentators, the pictures. They're the ones that give you that little extra flair that you wouldn't get from just reading words on like in a book, for example. And so when, you, when you're still trying to develop that, I really do think that's why Edzo is so good at what he does. There's a yeah, reason. I was going to say, we're, you so talk about being Turner, spoiled. We're extremely yeah. spoiled with Edzo's interview. Like there's, right? there's a reason that Turner went and signed him as their lead analyst for national games because he's that good. Like he has figured out how to be a great color commentator. And I, I, that's why I love Edzo and I respect the shit out of Edzo for that. I think Kobe Cohen can get there, but I do agree with you. I think naturally, just because he's still learning and his voice just is the pitch it is. It, it's a very weird just, adjustment for it him. It just sounds and, a little off to me. Yeah, well, and it does. And it, and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't It doesn't take – I do not discredit what he says because of it, mm-hmm. but it does not just feel as full to me. Sure. If that makes sense. Fair. Right? And I think, and I think like, if we went back and looked – because, like, I even remember, like, in the early days of Edzo, like, there were some games where, like, you were like, oh, he felt, like, uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, because he was early on in it. And then, like, nowadays – Edzo's pulling out the fucking thing and he's drawing up things on the ice because like he's in it. He knows it. He knows what he's yeah. doing. Yeah, and, just, and yeah, just just and just this would be my last point, just yeah. quickly. Yeah. But like to 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 where I think we all are in unison on this of like the Blackhawks screwed this up because at least the White Sox they had a plan. They knew Benetti was the next guy, so they were able to let people get used to him at a slower pace. Whereas, like, right now, we don't know who is replacing Pat full-time next year in the booth. And I really hope they don't do a group of multiple people. I don't care if you have one or two backups, but they need to have that consistent voice because if they just think they're going to go all over the hell place and just it's going to be Eddie with whoever the fuck. like Because, like, Eddie and Vosters did a game together, and I think they did great together. You know, so, like, I, again, uh, you're you're going to hear who I obviously enjoy the most. I do like Mike Monaco. I will agree. I do. I'm a very, a very big Mike Monaco fan as well. Um, I would love to see Chris Foster's get the, the the full-time gig if he was able to and he was open because he does a lot of like college football and he does a lot of other stuff too. So I don't know if that's something that he would even be able to do, but um, that's just kind of my thought press on it. So like, that's kind of my, I guess we're like Colby Cohen's, I think going to take a longer time to get adjusted 
to being in the booth with somebody than like a play-by-play is because it's so, in my opinion, it's so hard being the the accessory versus like the main event. So what's going to happen first? Are the Hawks getting back to the playoffs or is Colby Cohen going to figure out how to do color commentary? The Which one's going to happen first? The latter, 100% the latter. Yeah, he's got the most opportunities there. So whether they're good or bad, he's going to have the opportunity to do so. So that's... That's, no, I, that's, that's I, thoughts there. I, I think, you know, Johnny, just going back, because Ron just, just went off and made a bunch of really good points. And and one thing that I was actually going to ask Ron was, you know, you've done this stuff before. You've sat in those in those booths and called games play-by-play. You're probably the closest person that I, I know that's actually worked that as a job. But do you think that Johnny Nani could, could hop on and do the play-by-play? I think he's got the voice for it. I think he's he's as organized as anybody that I've ever seen watching these games. I think, you know, why has why have the Blackhawks not given Jonathan Nani his due yet? Uh, there's a rotating cast in there. Ron, this is a question for you. How do we get Johnny in the booth for a game? I know, I don't know, but we need to. I would love to hear Johnny in the booth because, like, it really is. It, it's it's so much, in my opinion, to me, especially because each sport's cadence is different. Like baseball is a very leisurely cadence when you're calling games until something big happens, boom, and then you got to turn it on, right? Uh, you know, the the same thing with like football can be that way too because in the height of a play, that's when you get up. And then in between plays, you could be a little more, you know, subtle. See, like I could just see it. the staple. This is something I'd tune into is like Puck's dropping and Johnny's go-to line is like, break out the smelling salts, this is Puck drop, and then like he would just be running with it. Like, yes. That's, I th- that's that would what be I'm looking for. That, and, that's, that, and that's stuff that you definitely develop. Like, just throwing this out there, I called a men's volleyball game the other day and I remembered this one, they have a kid on the team who's a front row player and just spikes the shit out of the ball and his name is Jake McLean. And so, like, I have fun with it now when he does it. And I'm Jake like, McCain. there it is. Bang, bang, Jake McClain. And, like, you got to have fun with it. You got to have those yeah. marquee calls. And, like, you just – you got to come up with that stuff. And, again, that comes with practice and with time. And, like – because now I can be that homer announcer because I've gotten used to it. And when Like, when I did, like, my first soccer game or my first volleyball game or even my first football game, like, it, it took that – adjustment so i would love to see johnny nani in the booth though because i could absolutely see the like the ryan carpenter score scores a goal and johnny nani <laughs> loses his shit and i would be so excited to so see the, it. Point, yeah, mike's, the point mike's, mike's getting sent out into the 200 level <laughs> <laughs> the point i'm trying to make there guys is like i want somebody who's as tuned into the team as we are, that they can develop those things and drive those things yeah. for us so, as the fan. The Blackhawks have failed us in this uh, regard of not giving that for not giving the fans what they need in the consistency and then not giving the broadcasters a chance at consistency. I know there have been some recurring guys there, but I think that's what you're getting at here, Tony, mm-hmm. right? And I agree. Yeah. I agree. With and, and so we got, we got a guy, P Bodes, uh, you know, a great contributor here at on tap sports. And he says, go live on the next game. So, you know, that's, that's a tough one because, you know, people have certain delays on streams and whatnot, but I think that'd be a fun uh, exercise here for four feathers, maybe even a yes. for a period or two or something like that. So Johnny, do uh, maybe you want to, do you want to, do you want to play by play and I'll do color or Tony yeah. can do color. We could switch off periods. And... Yeah. This, yeah, this, yeah, would, yeah, be yeah. Fun. this would be fun. <laughs> we can figure something out. I'm glad, well, I'm glad we got here guys. So I'm glad it wasn't oh, yeah. too like hostile back and forth. I think everybody aired their, 
good points out here. Um, but uh, one one last thing here. I know we've kind of uh, neglected it here, but I just I do think that um, one name that wasn't really mentioned too much is Kaylee Chelios because she has been one of the most common uh, recurring ones, whether that be in studio or in various uh, roles there. But uh, I think she was really good on the color yeah. for the radio, but she did that for the lightning for a couple of years before coming to Chicago. So um, I could definitely see the experience shine through. I think she did a game with John Weideman. I enjoyed the broadcast that I listened to there. Uh, TV, I don't think it's been as, you know, kind of consistent there. Uh, obviously not getting as many cracks at it as like a Colby Cohen or someone. But uh, in the studio, I think she's coming into her own too. And then they talked about Andrew Shaw said he'll be back in the studio for some uh, at later points in the season. So will be interesting to see, but did also want to shout out those other names that are in there too. Um, and just, you know, they're not saying that we could do their job better than them or anything, but from a fan perspective, that's our breakdown of it. So um, boys, we're getting close to the end here, uh, but let's take a look at what's on tap next for the Blackhawks. Uh, pair of games, home and home against Minnesota this Friday and Saturday, uh, Colorado on Monday, Wednesday at Detroit national game there against Colorado back at home the next Friday, uh, St. Louis and Vancouver on a back-to-back Sunday and Monday to close out the month of January here. Tough stretch, boys. Uh, Minnesota's playing well. Colorado, we know, is a juggernaut. They can score goals like crazy. Um, going to be a tough stretch. How do we think we're going to fare here? When Marc-Andre Fleury is in net, there is no doubt in my mind that the Hawks have a chance to win a game if Patrick Kane shows up and Alex DeBrinkett puts one in the back of the net. So it, 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 if you're if you're looking at this stretch coming up here, this season, at least to me, like normally we do these shows, we've been doing them for a long time. We do this with with Sox. We've been doing it with with the Hawks. Ronnie been doing it with the Cubs. Like normally we could sit here in these stretches and be like, what do you think is going to happen for the rest of this year? I got to be honest with you guys. I have no idea with this Blackhawks team, what version you're going to get. Anything that's going to happen just seems to be either really, really good or like bottom of the barrel bad. So it's, it's this is like the hardest question here. I have no idea. I, I'm just going to be honest. I have no idea. Yeah, I think just the the, the easy answer here is uh, what, what version of this team are we going to get? I think we can easily just quickly say, do we get the Anaheim Ducks game version, Johnny, when you were there? Or do we get the Seattle Kraken version? I think if if we get the Seattle version, I think they do terrible because, like you said, Minnesota's playing great. Colorado's playing great. You know, really running down this thing. I mean, even Detroit is playing fairly well. And they see Minnesota and Colorado twice in this next stretch. You know, before the end of the month, they see St. Louis in there. And Vancouver is a team that ever since Boudreaux got there has been playing a lot better. Uh, and I'll actually be in attendance for that game because that's also Brent Seabrook's legacy night. So that should be a, an absolute treat on a Monday night. But, you know, I'll tell you, if they if they bring the Anaheim Ducks version of this team and they play well, I mean, Seth Jones is back from protocol, so that should certainly help on the blue line. They can finally keep Eric Gustafson from playing 22 minutes a night for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, like, it just I I think if they bring that Saturday night like what Johnny got to see in person energy to this next stretch of games I think they can go better than 500 I think it's what a seven game stretch like four and three is completely reasonable you know maybe they split with Minnesota they split with Colorado you you you, you probably can beat Detroit you maybe can beat Vancouver and then maybe St Louis gets you especially you know in their building. I think that's reasonable, but again, but if they show up and plays the Seattle Kraken, Mark Andre Fleury can only take you so far as we saw in yesterday's game. So uh, I agree with Tony. Who the hell knows what we get? But 
I, that's kind of my two tales of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Do we get the Seattle Kraken game version of these Blackhawks or do we get the at-home Anaheim Ducks version of these Blackhawks? Because if we get the latter, maybe they they fare okay. If we get the former, holy boy, it's going to be a long month of January. Yeah, this this kind of ties up the episode uh, completely, Ron. I think we're going to get the hot and cold stretch. We're going we're gonna to see the inconsistencies that we've seen all year show their ugly head. Um, and I guess... You know, uh, beautiful had at some points here because that four game winning streak was pretty sweet. They, they played some good hockey over that stretch. Uh, but then you go and lay an egg uh, against a team that's 10 points lower than you against Seattle. So I agree. It's going to be a tough grind, but home and home against uh, uh, Minnesota will be interesting to see. Uh, one other note on there, you mentioned Seth Jones coming back. Obviously, he tested out Monday, but uh, would not have been able to travel in time to get to Seattle and play that game since it was matinee. He'll be back. Uh, and then also Dylan Strom, Kirby, Doc, Brett Connolly should all be back uh, with the, you know, shortened five-day isolation period those guys um, should be in practice I would imagine over the next couple of days here uh, with their timelines as long as they test out of the protocol so uh, we'll be interesting maybe Dylan Strom raises some trade stock a little bit who knows uh, Kelvin DeHaan continuing to do that that's kind of what I'm looking for over this game uh, this kind of stretch of games and uh, other than that would be nice to see Kirby Doc uh, you know kind of go on a little run here so th- that's what I'll be watching for and other than that Jonathan Taves is heating up so keep an eye on him uh, because because it feels like he has finally found more of his groove uh, as of late. There's a stretch where he had, you know, had eight game, eight points in 12 games, and um, he's looking just better in, in general on the ice. So those are kind of my last thoughts, uh, boys. Final thoughts before we sign off from uh, Season 3, Episode 9 of Four Feathers here. Final thoughts here, guys. Awesome to get back on the mic and talk Blackhawks with you guys. Um, th- th- this is this has been a very fun episode. I didn't get as mad at Ron Luce as I thought I was going to be. I actually thought it would have been like one of the first times I fired Ron Luce over a, a, over a bad take about announcing. But I think we came to a nice little little agreement uh, there on, on some things. So I'm Unfortunately, the agreements that the Blackhawks failed us and their announcers. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we've agreed today overall, Johnny. If we're going to take one thing away from this is the Blackhawks have failed us on multiple, multiple levels. Yeah. And we all need to, to come together and drink beers to talk about it more just to cope. Right. Um, so that's that's what I've learned today. Uh, guys, always great to talk with you. Crack them. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a hard final take to follow up. I'll, I'll start with a little bit of news, Johnny. You mentioned, obviously, the COVID protocols and the shortened quarantines. Uh, the NHL also, at least through Frank, uh, Frank Spaghetti and Meatballs, announcing that um, they're no longer going to test players if they're asymptomatic. It's only going to be if they exhibit symptoms or if it's for uh, cross-border travel um, due to the different you know rules and, and laws within Canada. So... You know, that's something that'll probably keep a lot of players off the COVID protocol list because like Jake McCabe said when he returned um, in the post game after Seattle, he's like, oh, I had no symptoms. I felt fine. I didn't even know I had it if I hadn't tested positive. So uh, certainly something, too, that'll be interesting to keep aside. I'm not yep. saying you know how I feel about it, just sharing news, um, something we'll keep an eye on, too, as the, the season persists. And um, I'll, I'll echo Tony. Yeah, it's good to be back on the mic with you guys. Uh, hopefully we don't go a whole nother month. Um, hopefully it's, it's a much shortened period before we talk more Blackhawks hockey and, and crack some beers together, but, and, uh, maybe, maybe hopefully we'll get to do one of these, uh, live watch alongs here soon, uh, at, uh, at Casa de Marchese and, and maybe we can do a little bit of live play by playing with, uh, Johnny Nani on the call. Um, Let's, I just, I, I, I want to make that happen. 
I just hope and pray we get a, Car- a Ryan Carpenter goal because I know Johnny Nani's going to go through the fucking roof if Ryan Carpenter scores, and I'm so here for it. I I I need yeah, it like me. I need air. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, agree I'll be with like you, Tony. I'll, I'll be like Peter Griffin on Crystal Meth, then you know where he jumps through the ceiling. <laughs> I am so fucking ready. Yeah, that, that that'll be me if Ryan Carpenter scores a goal when I'm on the Fox call, the the Fox it Four Feathers call. So it'd be it'd be incredible. But yeah, cheers, boys. Yeah. It was good to get back I'm, on. I'm, and, I'm and already thinking of ways to make this. Another month. I'm wait, I'm thinking of ways to make this happen, Ron, because I I I almost need this. Like I need air. Yeah, we, it, I need it, a Johnny it'll Donnie be on the call. It'll be fun. Stay tuned to the Four Feathers socials. That's at Four Feathers Pod and at Ontap Sportsnet on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, wherever you follow us here. Um, make sure uh, you go and check out Vivid Seats. Uh, you get ten dollars off any order over hundred dollars with the code ONTAP. Uh, that's any order over hundred dollars on Vivid Seats. Go out and see your Blackhawks. Get ten dollars off the order using the code on tap at checkout. All one word there. So, gentlemen, that does it for season three, episode nine, hot and cold of the Four Feathers podcast. Hope you all enjoyed, listeners. Go subscribe, rate, interview wherever you listen because that is cool and tough. Until next time, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. <laughs>